Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome so back to Hide and Practice. Hide or practice, I mean. Hide or practice. Practice or hide. This is episode three, etiquette. Indeed. Today we're talking about etiquettes. Yes. Um, And it's interesting considering where we are right now in, you know, the global historical like shifts of COVID because we've been doing, everyone's been pretty much doing this quarantine, working from home for a while. It's not like right away when everything was very urgent, but slow because we were confused. Like we're kind of getting into a flow. Um, So there's kind of a double etiquette conversation of what's general etiquette of how to exist and work and be a part of our, you know, social fabric of society and then smaller the art world and then you're smaller your community. And then there's this kind of new layer of how do we act within our new, you know, infrastructure that's being built of working from home and that it's not as much in person and it is more email and it is more um zoom meetings and it is Mm. you know more remote interactions it's um it's interesting you know we were just having this conversation i'm in the tail end of grading my students for, for their final project and I, I almost feel like the guidelines which were set and talked about for 10 weeks because of COVID, and I think maybe it's the immediacy of shutting everything down, students don't seem to have heard that if you submit specific formats, it's an automatic fail. And ironically, I've now received many of this format which should be an automatic fail and it puts me in this position as the lecturer the person who's grading them what am i supposed to do because i'm supposed to follow the guidelines of the university in terms of how i'm supposed to grade because of covid but then I'm also supposed to go and follow the learning outcomes of the module. So what are my etiquettes? How am I supposed to go about this? Um, So that's one thing in terms of one scenario in terms of etiquettes and how I'm supposed to respond um, and how to act in a situation like this. And I think that if we want to really pivot into having the conversation in the art world is this week, especially I've seen a lot of movements there there. Now I think like you're saying, people have got into this rhythm and we see that Sotheby's now has an online platform. It's very similar to the Zwerner, LA platform. Bloomberg has a platform which is specifically for museums. So in terms of the etiquettes, how are we supposed to act? 
for somebody like me who is a maker versus you who is a curator, a dealer. What are we supposed to do? Are we, how are we looking at this and, and how do we approach I don't the galleries or the structure or how do we go about doing this? Mm-hmm. Tell I think me. There's, yeah, I've got the answer a hundred percent. Just everybody listen up. This is gospel. No, but I think that like, it's, there's twofold. I mean, I think of as a student or as an artist or as someone who's applying for a grant or a job or your final grade, there's going to be parameters we need this in PDF format. We need this by June 1st. We need this, you know, to this email address. We need it through this website. Um, And that's how, you know, it's not just for fun or arbitrary reasons usually that these are made up because if you're a teacher and you're getting 15 final grades that you have to go through and you have to take the time and the consideration. There has to be a, a system where you can do it efficiently and effectively. Mm-hmm. The same way as if you're posting a job and you're asking for a CV and a cover letter in PDF format, and then you get it in a Word doc. And like, maybe you asked for the a reason because there's easier to upload or easier to go through. So there's a little bit of just basic kind of respect for where you're following through. There's also um, the same thing with like a grant application or, you know, a call for, you know, request for qualifications. So I think there's that. And it's not just about, you know, making it more difficult for the applicant. It's about, can you follow directions? Because that's going to be, you know, a longer range effect. Like if you can't even do the first thing I'm asking you to then how am I supposed to trust that you can do anything going forward, even mm-hmm. if it is something so basic as a, you know, Word document versus a PDF. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you can't also, if, for, if there's a reason, I think this is the interesting part to me, especially regarding COVID, is that if there's a reason or some sort of hurdle that is keeping you from giving me the PDF format or giving it to me on May 1st, I think that people would be more understanding right now of like, hey, you know, professor, I can't do it because of X, Y, and Z. Can I do this? I would, I saw that you requested a PDF, but my computer is this. Can I do it like this? You know, I would be understanding of that. And I would try to adjust because at least you were trying to respect my time, respect my request and respect, you know, the instructions that were given, but then you don't see those. And if someone's not asking or someone's not trying, then again, what am I supposed to do with that? And then there's also, you know, new um, ways of like engaging with things, which is, and I think this is where my etiquette is I'm struggling with as a, as a buyer, as a consultant, is that all of these new online platforms are fantastic. And I love going through them and it's really great, but I'm trying to shop for clients. I'm trying to get this in front of, you know, people who are not in front of me and that becomes difficult. So when I try to kind of request, you know, and most people are pretty good with it. Actually, it's been really nice. I've been like, this is, you know, guys, I'm struggling with my clients. They're having a hard time with the online platforms. Um, Because if you click the wrong thing, you're out. 
there's also the, you know, the great thing where you have to log in and remember a password and be part of the thing. And like, maybe I'm approved to be on the platform, but my client's not because of course he's not because he doesn't have to do that. That's why I'm, I'm here. (laughs) But so it's, it's interesting as we like try to adjust. And I think that, again, this is also an etiquette is be polite, be straightforward, you know, request the information that you need, explain why. And overall, people are pretty understanding. Because I think that if, if someone were to come to, you know, the professor and say, this is why I can't do it like this, what are my other options? That's a hundred times better to me, I would think, than just submitting the wrong thing and then now I have to fail you. Well, I think it comes down to communication. Well, partly I think it's communication, but I think what's really interesting is there are, the tolerance is a lot greater currently. Mm -hmm. And I wonder whether when we are no longer, no, it's not that we're no longer. I think when some of the rules are relaxed in terms of how we can interact with other human beings, whether it's face-to-face or still digitally, whether those rules are actually going to be stricter. And also, I think you know, it's quite different when you're a student and you're learning and I'm bound by the university in terms of what they are expecting of me as an employee mm-hmm. versus, say, me as an artist. So what you were saying before is if I put on my hat as a student... I almost feel like, oh, it's fine. The teacher will figure it out. Right. I submitted on time and that's me as a student. I'm mm-hmm. just going to be like, whatever, I've done it. So now I'm shifting the responsibility onto someone else. Versus if I was applying for a grant or if I was pl- applying for a residency, I would take the guidelines very seriously me personally i would take it very seriously and it's almost as if it's because the consequences are more real so therefore i treat it more formally which is counterintuitive because when you go to right isn't it yeah because if you're talking about a final grade i would think that was really it's 50 percent of the grade like just fyi i know i know but I guess you're right I think it is it's like I you know you think that you're doing you turned it in on time and like you answered the question but in like the the real world that's like that's good on you you've just done the bare minimum and and isn't that isn't that so interesting in terms of the etiquette or I suppose what you can get away with as a student or as someone who's not a student anymore and you know when you're working that line is very clear you don't get that grace period you don't get the buffer you're labeled as something else you're labeled as oh you're green or you're fresh or whatever Mm -hmm. it is the adjective that people use in in their respective industry 
But as a student, you almost get this pass for saying, oh, that's fine, they're learning or they don't know any better and so it's okay. And, as, and I think students understand that. So again, the stance is, well, I've done it. I've already submitted on time. What more do you want from me? And it's like, well, you know, like these things are in place is because it's in line with the structures of what is expected of you when you leave the university because it is very black and white. Once you're done, there are expectations of you and those are the etiquettes that you're sub- you have to follow because if you don't, you won't get the grant. You won't get the residency, which means that you're not building your CV, which means that when you're speaking with someone like you who's a curator, you would look at the CV and think, well, what's happened? And exactly. And this is also where, you know, when you follow the directions, if I'm a curator, if I'm a consultant and I'm asking you for work and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, what do you have available? And you send me seven, you know, now it's a lot easier with iPhones than it was say like five or 10 years ago in terms of quality of pictures and ease of like sending it to me. But if you send me a bunch of iPhone pics with no reference of size or just like half titles and you know I don't know what the pricing should be I can't make those choices for you and instead and I can't responsibly I mean every client you know relationship is absolutely different and I have some clients that I could absolutely just like send them your iPhone pictures and be like hey what do you think of this but some a lot of them don't want that and I can't do anything with that. And that's a bummer because I'm trying to sell your art. Same thing with galleries. Like I'm trying to sell your art. I'm trying to get you money. (laughs) And when you send me something that I either, I have to do a lot of labor for in terms of putting it in a format that my client can understand, um, or, you know, doing it in a way that can, you know, I'm having to piece together titles and prices and sizes to make it again so my client can understand that's you know depending on the day that might not be time I have um and I wish I had more time I wish I had two assistants um it's not that I don't want to try to sell it but sometimes people make it easier you know it's so easy when I ask for some people and I get a full pdf of size and medium and price and also what they're willing to discount or let me know if they're not willing to discount. And then I have all of the information and I can go forward so smoothly. Same thing with them when I'm curating. Hey, I'm doing this show. This is what the theme is. Do you have anything? I was thinking about this piece I saw on your website or on your Instagram. What else do you have? And if you come to me with, uh, you know, I'm not going to be in the studio for two days, but I'd love to send you some new pictures. How's Wednesday? I would say, great that's great. I'll have Wednesday. But if I don't hear back from you or you just send me some, you know, things that I can't really work with or, you know, before in the before time, if I couldn't schedule a studio visit because of distance or time, if I can't, if I don't have the information, I can't do, I can't move forward properly. And then, you know, maybe long-term I don't get the piece I want. Or I go with the artist who's making it easier for me because that's what's available. And it's not fair, but that's the way things work. And I don't know. I, I find as a sociologist, I find that 
the word fair is incredibly subjective. It is. However, I think reasonable because what you were saying about etiquette is that there's a there's a list of what it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So images, probably some sort of an artist statement, what you're willing to discount, your prices, the medium, you know, like the standard list of you you know what it's made of. That which is actually already all listed within the statement anyway. Um, and you're looking for that. And I think that maybe not everyone actually knows that because it's a courtesy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what it is that we're saying here is the etiquette is you're trying to go and do someone the not a service, but a courtesy. So actually things can just move along more effectively. And I have to choose my words wisely here because there are a lot of connotations and I understand that. So whether I have my hat on as a lecturer or a maker or a sociologist is that I understand this from different perspectives. And I think that it is within reason of these expectations or the etiquette because you are actually respecting who you're dealing with. So it's communication. It's putting all the things that you've listed onto your phone so it's easily accessible. And then you get to build a better relationship or establish a a good rapport at least with someone else. No, that's so true. Cause that's, especially when you said fair is subjective because then the person who did all of the work and had all of the information and got it to someone efficiently to them, it might not feel fair that someone who didn't do the work got to the same place. So you're absolutely right about that. And I think that it is about understanding and respecting and setting up that efficient communication because if we are also again dealing with the limitations of computers if you send me five images on my email with no context um you don't know if i'm checking on my phone and like is it going to blow out i don't have titles on these pieces so i don't even know which ones are coming in we've all had the situation where we've sent something and it hasn't come in in order so you don't even know if when i say the third image is the third image for me the same as the third image for you? Um, And having an efficient way to get rid of as many of those little potential hurdles for you is, is really great because then they just exacerbate around the down the way. Because if we keep talking about the third image and we're talking about wildly different pieces, I could be talking about like, say you sent me five pieces in a, you know, text messages or in Instagram or whatever. And I'm talking about the third piece and it's like a tiny, you know, Mm -hmm. like a really beautiful little sculpture that you made. And on Mm -hmm. your end, the third picture that you sent me is a giant installation. Mm. You know, that's a bummer or vice versa. You know, if you, if I'm talking about something bigger or something smaller and we're just all of a sudden down the end, when we're talking about a price, it could be, you know, you could lose a sale or Absolutely. you could lose an installation or you could lose a show because you 
you're not even talking about the right thing. And then eventually, because again, back to what you said, we are all human. Frustration will build to a point where you don't even want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> no, I'm nodding so hard that I could probably <laughs> break my like, neck. It's just like, oh, I can't, like, this is a great piece. You're a great artist and I like you as a human being, but you're making mm-hmm. this so difficult for me that it, my my investment of my time and my energy it's just the return on that becomes so low that it's like how are we supposed to go forward because you know then you also that's where like that resentment builds too like if I'm trying to put through all of this effort and this is probably on the both ends if you're dealing with a consultant who doesn't know what they're doing or a gallery that doesn't know what they're doing or a curator who doesn't know what you're they're doing and they're blowing off meetings and they're not telling you what they need or they're not giving you install dates or giving you percentages or sending you contracts as an artist you'd be incredibly frustrated because you'd feel disrespected and having that communication as smooth as possible is how we can get things done efficiently and then we don't have that kind of resentment bad taste or confusion that could be potentially really disastrous yeah i think that what you're saying is and it really kind of goes back to what we were saying in the first episode which is you're establishing trust you're building trust and in order to go and do that transparency is part of it definitely but it's also clear communication. And really at the end of the day, you know, you've listed out this checklist of what it is that you're looking for in order for you to go and submit someone's work to a gallerist or to a collector. The, the formatting of that is actually whoever the artist is, whoever is submitting something to you, is they need to actually do themselves a favor. And be clear because I think, you know, I get told this all the time, signpost things. And I think I remember the first time I I was said this, I was like, what, what is signposting? What does that mean? And as soon as I had to go and grade, I understood why that was said to me because the little things, and they literally are the signposts. It's tell me this is the theory. Tell me this is where it fits with that because it might seem really redundant. But when someone is going through 90 papers, you are very appreciative when that does exist and you're not searching for it. 90 essays that are 100, no, 1500 words each is a lot of essays to go through. A lot. No, and when you're getting, or if you're getting in all of these previews from an art fair, I get 100 previews in a week. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a lot of art and, and you want every the previews, like 10 to 30 pieces at least i think it's really important to be clear and try to i think it's a courtesy so i've already said this before but i i really think at the end of the day it's a courtesy to the person that you're you are talking with establishing some sort of connection or relationship with too. But I think it's also, which maybe potentially people don't really think of it this way, but it's actually a courtesy to yourself. It's really nice to 
have a lot of things already pre-done for yourself as well. And that also makes things easier for you because then you see what has been done, what hasn't been done. Um, it aligns you with what the industry is looking for. And you learn. I think a lot of times I, I take these, I call them exercises of things that I learned that they told me that I'm supposed to go and provide them with. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I do it, but then I have a template. And I think this, this, it's really nice to have the signposting from the other spectrum telling me what is expected of me. And then, you know, there's the pure panic of how am I going to do this? And then I figure out how to do it probably through Google. But it is a courtesy to me as well. And then I'll have a template. And then I, I don't have to think about it again because then all I have to do in the future is to update it. Exactly. Like you freed up your time and your brain space to think about things that would be more fun because Mm -hmm. you've got that template and those things set in place. And I think also, this is a good thing to say is that like, sometimes it's hard to come up with these things cold. And this is also why having like a community and friends and things like that, like it's okay to ask. Um, and if somebody can't help you, then hopefully someone else can. Uh, because if I were to get a cold email saying, I would like to submit some art, how, what's the best way to do it? I would say, great, this is what I need. I need a PDF and it's got all of these things on it and like a little bit of a blurb and that, and it would be perfect. Um, like making it as easy as possible because I also, you know, reward feels like too big of a word for this, but I'm, I'm happy to encourage and facilitate good communications and make everybody's job easier. And having that kind of, you know, part of that communication is if you're confused, ask for like clarity and that can really help. Um, I think that it's, it's hard to ask for help, but usually things like that, it's, it's better to ask for help and get it right than to send it off without having asked for help. And maybe the reason that you didn't get the thing or get a response is because you did it wrong. Maybe. I mean, I do agree a hundred percent. It is, it is not easy to ask for help. It's quite tricky also to position, position yourself and the language and all that. Um, but I think it's also that, It's perfectly okay to start a relationship with somebody to a friendship and ask the questions. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, I'm asking because I don't know and that's it. It's not a quid pro quo kind of scenario. I think, you know, if we shifted the conversation or shifted the way we looked at it is to say, I wanted to reach out. I want to learn something. But then maybe we can also be friends at the end of it. Maybe it doesn't have to be that difficult to to ask. Yeah. I I definitely see that a lot, you know, and that's how sort of I reached out to you was I was I was very interested in learning about how you put pop-up shows together. And when you told me basically it takes no money, and I was just like, What? I've never thought of it that way, you know? And yeah. and you can 
establish new friendships. And I think that's one of the great things. And that's what makes the arts really special is that we can bond over something as simple as that. It's because I asked a very simple question. I was interested in what it is that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, and asking for those things is, it's actually really funny because we'll have Tim on, Tim Schneider from the ArtNet. Um, he's part of the reason I was able to get the pop-ups because I asked him if he knew anybody who had a space and he did. And now that person's one of my really close friends and it worked out well for him because he's an artist with this great studio space. And he was also trying to figure out how he could show his work more. And it, you know, that wasn't on purpose, but it worked out really well. And it's, it's nice to have like, you know, you already have something in common. Like I do pop-ups, you want to do a pop-up. I needed a space, Brant had a space. Um, I, you know, want to know more about like the practice of people doing, you know, coming out of school and like those transitions. I can talk to mm. you. And you've got those kinds of answers. And it's, it's great because that's already something in common and you just don't even realize it because it does feel we are kind of in that capitalist or teacher student kind of relationships where it is like give and take quid pro quo. I think what changes when you get into the professional world is that it becomes networking. That's what Absolutely. And that's um, and that, that shift and it's a good shift and it's hard to do, but once you do it and once you get used to it, it becomes much more natural. But having all of those little things set up in before so you can make those communications smooth is what makes those networks thrive and get stronger. Absolutely. So etiquette is really just being, be nice, show up. Yeah. Show Remember up. the oh other person gosh, is up. actually another person. Even if you're doing it digitally, I think it's, don't forget that it is actually a human being. Um, and that's really it. And I think that's a really good place to go and say, next week, we're next going week. to be talking about networking. Networking. So how do we apply what we've just talked about in terms of etiquettes and apply that into networking and actually this feeds also back into structure. So there's probably some sort of a structure within the way someone networks. Mm-hmm. So great. we can also talk about that as well. Yes. Fantastic. This week also is a little bit special because we have Tim Schneider from the ArtNet and because the interview is so incredible and so amazing it's really long so we're going to do a two-parter this week where this first part we talked about etiquette and then coming up on friday is going to be tim schneider of the gray market of artnet art business editor extraordinaire incredible um i will put in how to find him at the gray market on various platforms in our little blurby so you can check him out ahead of time if you're not familiar get familiar he is the best and um, I just lost my train of thought. No, what's also really, it, what is also really interesting is we, the three of us are firstly all in different locations. So you're in LA, he's in New York. He's in New York, right? Yes. 
and I'm in the UK. So we all get a different perspective in terms of where the market is, not only because where we are physically location wise, but also because of our jobs. Yeah. So, you know, he comes from a journalistic background. He does now. He did work for a gallery before. We all operate within the art market, but we all have our own different segments. So we all bring in our perspectives, looking at it from multiple points of view. So for those who are trying to understand why things are the way they are, what we think could be happening in the future, I talk about it in more sometimes as a sociological sense, sometimes as a maker. You talk about it from a very commercial sense as a curator, as a dealer. And Tim talks about it from his point of view. Also, from his background working in the gallery, but as somebody who reports on the market. So for those who are interested in learning a more holistic way of looking and analyzing the market, this upcoming episode might be really interesting for you. Yeah, it's really nice to have a lot of point of views and a lot of different, and then to see where that crossover also happens and how it affects different parts of the market and different people within the market, which is nice. So you And what we agree on actually, because then there are things that we also agree on, even if we come from completely different backgrounds and there's different things that we we agree on. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It is very, very interesting. So next week, until next week, I am Alexis Hyde. You can find me at alexishyde.com or Hyde or Die, various places, H-Y-D as in David, E or Die. And as for me, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is to practice a practice, spelled T-O-P-R-A-C-T-I-S-E. A-P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E. Next week, we speak to Ellen Zhuang. She works in business development at Ten Transfery Lane Gallery in Hong Kong, which seems like a really good person to talk to since we're going to be talking about networking. Okay, until part two with Tim Schneider. See ya.